So today we're beginning a new sermon series titled Lessons from Acts, Being Church in the New Normal. The inspiration for this series comes from uh, different stories in the book of Acts about the early church. Uh, the early church was a group of people who were living in the ultimate new normal, right? They had all been followers of Jesus when he was living and breathing. They had witnessed his execution. They had seen the empty tomb. They had visited with and even been taught by the resurrected Christ, as we'll read in today's story. And then he was gone, ascended into heaven. And they had to figure out, what do we do? What does it look like, in other words, to be faithful, to be a follower of this Jesus in this entirely new world. As we read through these stories in the coming weeks, I hope that you will find some of the same lessons that I have found in them. Lessons that I think are applicable for us. People, a community, a church, a world that is seeking to understand what does it look like for us to be faithful in this new normal that we are living in. There's six things that I find, six things that we will offer as part of this sermon series. Very quickly, the six weeks that we will cover, uh, with the exception of next week as we enjoy Youth Sunday, our vision that people, followers of Jesus and a new normal have to be clear about their vision. We'll talk about uh, generosity, the call to be generous in our new normal. We'll talk about the importance of touch and a fellowship, an interesting and challenging one for us in particular in this time when we are told to not touch and to stay apart from one another. After that, we'll talk about leadership and the role of leaders in a new normal. We'll talk about the importance of joy and the places we can find that will fill us with joy in our new normal. And then we'll end on Pentecost Sunday and be reminded there that ultimately none of that matters if not for the presence of God. That it is the Spirit which must be with us and dwell within us and lead us in our new normal. So we hope that you will continue to join us for these worship services and particularly in the coming weeks as we consider as a church and as people seeking to be faithful in this strange and difficult time, in this new normal, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? We begin today with this series in the very first chapter of Acts, the first 11 verses. It is a recap of sorts being told by the author of Acts, uh, the person who in all likelihood also wrote Luke's. There's lots of connecting points, but one of them we'll notice is a name in the very first verse, Theophilus, likely the benefactor, uh, helping to support the work of the gospel writer of Luke and the same person who in all likelihood also sat down and wrote Acts. It is in this recap that we will witness and hear the story of the beginning of their new normal. A recounting of those first days after Jesus' resurrection. What happens until that day when Jesus ascends into heaven? And so friends, let us listen now for a word from God. Hearing these verses, beginning with the first verse of the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. It begins this way. 
In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, you know, this is such a, a visual story for me, right? It begins with this recounting of, of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, spending all this time after that first Easter morning with the apostles, with the disciples, and he's teaching them. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. That's important. We'll come back to that. But he's sitting there, right? You can almost imagine these apostles just gathered around Jesus, completely spellbound, right? The image that it conjures for me is uh, like our social hall during vacation Bible school in the summer uh, when Rich Gellner or Sean Hidalgo or Frida or Jackson Warner or someone's up there on stage, maybe Fred Griffith, and they're, they're putting on a, a performance uh, around the theme for, for that vacation Bible school, and all those kids are sitting there cross-legged spellbound. That's sort of what I imagine this scene being like. Here are these apostles, they've spent all this time just gathered at the feet of the resurrected Christ, spellbound at everything he has to say. It's an amazing image. And then we move on to Jesus' ascension in this story, and it says he ascends into heaven and, and he disappears into the clouds. Right, if you've ever seen an airplane take off uh, on a cloudy day with a low ceiling and, and it climbs and it climbs and then just disappears into the clouds. Imagine sitting there and there's Jesus, Jesus, gone. It's an incredible image. And then after all of that, there's this description of these two mysterious men in white robes. I love any time the Bible gives us information about what, what people are wearing. It feels like we should pay attention to it. It's not just two men. It's two men in white 
robes. Vivid image. And they sit there for a moment while all those disciples are sort of looking around saying, yo, we lost them. You coming back, Jesus? And they, they just kind of quietly appear and, and eventually they sort of speak up and they're like, uh, why is everyone looking up there? Change your focus. Realign your vision. Bring your eyes down and start looking at the world around you. It's such a visual story. It's as if there is a lesson in here. A lesson that says people who are living in a new normal. And the disciples don't probably recognize it in that exact moment, but they have just entered the new normal. They have just entered a world where this, this Jesus, I mean, God in flesh, who they have spent days and years in some cases with, who they've lived with and ate with, who they've watched die and be resurrected, he's gone. He's gone. And here they are having to figure out, what do we do now? What does it mean to still follow this, this man, this Messiah, without him here? It's a completely new normal. There's a lesson in here for us, for people throughout time and space, yes, but for us today in our new normal. A lesson about how we're using our vision, our eyes, are we spending our days just kind of looking up, hoping that miraculously we'll look down and everything will be quote-unquote normal again? All of the, the strangeness, all the difficulty, all the sickness and death, it will just be gone? Or are we people who follow those angels' instructions to not spend our days looking up there in the new normal? but rather to bring our eyes down, to take in the world and the faces around us, the beautiful and the heartbreaking, to spend time looking at our level for God's presence. Because God is present. We just have to have the vision to see. But vision isn't only about sight. Is it? I went sleuthing on the internet. It doesn't take much sleuthing, but I found the definition for vision. And of course, the first definition is the ability to see, but there's a second definition, and it reads this. Vision is the ability to think about or plan for the future with imagination or wisdom. Ooh, I like that. Imagination and wisdom is all tied up in what it means to have vision. So I have this friend, he uh, was recently called to uh, a new uh, church, a much larger church, uh, and one of the first things that he did with them uh, in his first months was to begin uh, helping and working with them to identify what is our vision as a church, right? What do we imagine God is leading us to do together? And as part of this process, he sent an email out to uh, his congregation uh, that was asking the question, you know, is this an idea or is it a vision? He was trying to draw out for people that there's a difference between just ideas and vision. 
and he sent this little chart out uh, with his uh, his message, uh, and and it sought to kind of organize the differences between ideas and vision. So I'll give you an example. He says uh, an idea is often born from boredom and underemployment, just sitting around, have an idea. But a vision is born from prayer and from pain. I like that. Maybe wisdom and imagination aren't the only other things tied up with vision. Maybe prayer is tied up with vision as well. An idea, this chart says, requires a transactional behavior, whereas a vision requires imagination. An idea is best told with a PowerPoint, whereas vision is best told in person. An idea will die when and if someone has a better idea. But a vision will die only when and if God needs something else to be reborn. I think the lesson of this story on vision is not only one about how we are seeing others, how we are seeing the world around us. Can we notice God even in the faces that are worried and stressed and bored and tired? But it's also inviting us to consider what is the vision God might be opening up to us in these days. Where might God be using our imagination and working in our prayer life to call us to serve and be the church in this new normal? So a church member uh, last week, I think, uh, emailed me a really interesting article about uh, the experience of the early church, a little bit later than the book of Acts, but third century, so a long time ago still, the experience of the early church in one of the worst pandemics to ever strike planet Earth, human planet Earth at least, happened back in the third century. Uh, at one point it was so bad, according to the ancient historians, that it's estimated 5,000 people were dying a day in Rome alone, right? It was a bad pandemic. And this article, it, it, it draws out the difference uh, between uh, the state's response to that pandemic in the third century and the church's response. Right, so if you go read some of these uh, ancient historians, uh, Hippo and others, you'll, you'll find accounts about how the state was mainly interested in self-preservation. That was their all-consuming thought during that awful, horrific pandemic. But the church, on the other hand, this strange, still pretty small and struggling band of people trying to follow this Messiah, they claim, who lived some 300 years before, who they say died and was raised from the dead. These believers, they reacted differently. The article goes on to talk about how they did not seem so much interested in self-preservation as they were in fearless and sacrificial service, right? To both other believers, but also to non-believers. The church in this pandemic, it responded with courage. 
It went towards the sick. It, it threatened its own existence in order to share love and compassion with those who were suffering. And the result of those actions was an absolute explosion and growth in the church. For both those believers and non-believers alike, they looked at these, these crazy people who not only had eyes to notice who was suffering around them, but also had the wisdom and the imagination and had been steeped in prayer and were led to care for them. That countless other people said, I want to get to know their God. I want to get to know who these people draw their inspiration from. What was his name? Jesus, you said? Right? This is what it looks like to have vision. This is what it looks like to be the church in a new normal. So I want to leave you with just one final image. Uh, first, a little bit of backstory. I don't know if people will judge me well or harshly because of this. Uh, the soundtrack of my junior year of high school was this artist named Jason Mraz. Now, that's going to date me for some people. Uh, but uh, I recently came across this, this new song uh, by Jason uh, Mraz uh, that's uh, called uh, All the Ways We Love or something like that. I'll find the link and share it with you all. But you watch the video with this song. Uh, and what he did, rather than going out and hiring some big fancy production company and hiring actors and dancers and all of that, right? He, he filmed himself on his camera, much the way I'm filming myself for you today. And he put out an invitation on social media uh, for people to send uh, all the examples of where they see love. The song is Love is Still the Answer. So he, he invited people to point their cameras in the direction of love. Point their cameras in the direction of love and send him the video and the images. And, and he was going to make his video using their sight, using the images that they see for love. And some of the images are amazing, right? Some of them are of nature, of a sunset over the ocean. One of them I remember was uh, a flock of, of birds. There's a name for this that I'm not thinking of right now, but where, where birds move mysteriously in, in the same motion in, in massive groups, right? Someone saw a heart in the clouds. Someone is reading a book to their child. Someone is going on a walk or run. Someone's taking their morning swim. All of these images of where people see love. And I would say where people see God in the world that is right in front of them. Friends, what are those images for you? If you were to go out this day and in the days to come and point not just your camera, but, but your heart towards love, what would it see? Who would it see? And how would those visions shape your sense of call and shape the places where you are being led to serve 
and to share God's love with others in this new normal. Friends, may we, in the week and in the weeks to come, may we be people who point our eyes, yes, but even more important, our hearts towards love. For it is in Jesus Christ that we meet a God who is love. May we see God and God's love in each and every face, in each and every situation, no matter how good or how challenging. That others, too, might sense and know God's vision for the living of these days. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.